This is Darrell Alia, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast, episode 161. Yezerski. Are you ready to be the master architect of your life? Are you ready to design your business and invest the needs that create the lifestyle you've always dreamt of? Are you ready to learn from entrepreneurs and millionaires who have achieved a certain level of success? Hey, this is Derek, location-independent entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hi, I'm Gina Lofton. I am an investor, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey there, my name is Heather Havenwood, marketing coach and global entrepreneur. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey, this is Mark Asquith, the host of the 7 Minute Mentor podcast, global entrepreneur and all-round geek. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. I am MC Lobster, the Cashflow Ninja, and you're listening to Before the Millions podcast. You're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. But whether you're looking to invest for cash flow or build an online business that allows you to be location independent, you've come to the right place. Mr. Hollywood himself presents the Before the Millions podcast. And now your host, DeRay Olalaye. What is going on, good people? Welcome to this brand new installment of the Before the Millions podcast. As usual, I'm your host, DeRay Olalaye. And on today's episode, we are featuring, we are talking to real estate investor, developer, and agent, Mr. Logan Freeman. And Logan has a wealth of knowledge to share with us on today's episode. Logan has completed over 120 transactions in less than just one year. He's raised over $15 million and he's a lover of books. So obviously we have a lot in common in that arena. But ultimately on this episode, we talk about a specific book, a book by Tim Grover called Relentless. And the last time I read this book was probably 2018, maybe 2019. And we really just explore Tim's mindset around success on this episode. So if you don't know who Tim Grover is, he is, again, the author of the book Relentless. And for two decades, he's trained the legends, you know, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, and hundreds of other competitors in different sports and businesses And every single one of them attribute their success to Tim. Now, Tim often talks about this this attribute that not everybody has, that not everybody comes equipped with. I mean, you have some people who are great at what they do. Some people, let's just use the NBA, right? You have people who are great at what they do. You know, they're some of the best people in the world at what they do. But they don't mind being the backup to some of the stars. You know, waiting their turn until somebody gets injured. Working just hard enough to always be on the team every single year. And then you got some people who, you know, they, they, again, some of the best players in the world, right? And if they went back to college or their respective schools or towns, they would literally be number one, but they get to the NBA and they don't mind playing second fiddle to an all-star or a superstar. In fact, these people are, are often superstars themselves, Right. These are the types of superstars and all stars where you give a script to and, you know, you give directions to and they can execute on that every single time. As long as the variables lined up, as long as the script and what's actually happening takes place in in a way that they're familiar with. And then you have the people, the individuals who Tim likes to call unstoppable. He likes to call these people cleaners and ultimately script or not. 
they are going to get to their goal. They are going to win the game. They are going to achieve what no other person has done. The people with Mamba mentality. And they're a dime a dozen. You don't see them too often, but you know one when you see one. I mean, again, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, like these athletes were not your average athletes. They had a specific mentality. If you've watched recently The Last Dance, which is Michael Jordan and ESPN's new documentary on the unfolding of his life, really. And it highlights to you exactly how much of a cutthroat, relentless individual Michael Jordan really was or is. So Tim Grover calls this type of person a cleaner and they often achieve whatever they desire. And you could argue that LeBron may fall in that category. Me, I don't I don't know. I don't know. You know, Tim, Tim has these three buckets of people. He has he has the coolers, which, again, I talked about the people who may write the bench. They may be great at what they do. Then you have the closers, people who I consider like back in the day, Tracy McGrady or like or like a LeBron even who know how to be dominant, who know how to go after what they want and get to their goal. Now, for these individuals, again, if the cards don't line up just right, again, i.e. Tracy McGrady's career or or the right situation is not able to be created, i.e. the way LeBron likes to move around pieces, then these individuals cannot be successful all the time. They don't have that perfect script to follow. But then there's another level, guys. There's another level. And Tim calls these people the cleaners. And for the cleaners, the switch never turns off. They're at 100% goal mode all the time. They're relentless about chasing their dreams and getting what they want. Again, the author of this book, Relentless, he's the, he is this type of person. The people, the athletes, the business moguls that he trains, they are these types of people. From the baseball players to the basketball players to the real estate moguls to the multimillionaires in the, in the tech space, he knows how to recognize cleaners and help them take it to the next level. Logan himself, today's guest, he's a cleaner. He's taken this superpower and he's focused it towards business. And it wasn't always this way. He tried to take that superpower and focus it towards the NFL and made it to the Oakland Raiders. But ultimately, that didn't work out. He tried to take that superpower and focus it in corporate America. But again, that didn't work out. But because he's a cleaner, he has a cleaner mentality. He figured out where to focus that superpower to yield the best ROI. So that's what we're going to talk about on today's show. How Logan used his cleaner mentality to prosper in business the trials and tribulations he's gone through along the way, and how you can find inspiration from Logan's story and maybe find the cleaner within yourself to go after your dreams, goals, and aspirations. One other quick note is that we have a goal of getting to 200 reviews by the end of this year. So currently on iTunes, we have about 150 reviews, 146, I think. So we need another 54 reviews to get to 200 by the end of this year. And I would love for you, if you've listened to one, two, three episodes of this podcast and it resonates with you and it inspires you and it's provoked you to go take some type of action or it's stirred up something emotionally in you or you've connected with one of the guests, you've connected with me on a different level and you want to share that gratitude with me and any potential listeners that may skim iTunes and, and click on the Before the Man's podcast and wonder, hmm, should I listen to this? If you want to share that gratitude with the public, then head over to your podcasting directory, whether that's iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and leave us a rating and review. Let us know what you think about the podcast. And in turn, this helps 
iTunes and these other podcast aggregators put our podcast in front of the eyeballs of more and more people because it recognizes, the algorithms recognize that the people that are currently listening to the podcast are reviewing the podcast and have positive things to say about the podcast. So therefore, it wants to get the podcast out to more people. So again, it would be awesome if you'd be able to participate in helping us reach our goal of 200 reviews by the end of the year by just leaving a quick, easy, simple review in your podcasting directory would go a long way. I also mentioned in, in the last episode that I was also giving out a freebie for um, for those of you that have just now kind of gotten started in real estate and you're looking for ways to find new leads. You're looking for uncommon ways. You feel like all the you feel like all the lists out there are saturated. You feel like everybody's making the same calls to the same people. You feel like everybody's grabbing the same list and they're reaching out via ringless voicemails and postcards and everybody's doing the same thing. And you're like, I need to find something out of the box. I need to find a different way to find maybe a different set of people or a different list of motivations that people aren't commonly attacking so that I can get a deal done that much faster. I have a guide that I normally only give to my students, but I really want to get us to 200 reviews. So if you take a screenshot of your review and you send it to info at before the millions.com, then we will send you that guide on me. Again, that's info at before the millions.com and just take a screenshot of your review. And in the subject line of that email, just put the words unique sellers. Okay. Unique sellers in the subject line of that email. Again, I'm going to send you a list, an extensive list of about 30, 40, 50 different lists that people just don't attack where you could find your motivated seller and start working towards closing on your next real estate deal quicker than you know. DeRay's tip of the week. Okay, so as I was uh, thinking of today's tip of the week, um, nothing really came to me, which is unusual because I normally have tons of tips to share with you guys. But for this week, I was just like, hmm, what's a good tip for this week? Or what could I? What kind of nuggets could I help people uh, get some clarity around? And um, again, nothing really came to me. But so I pulled up, some of the projects that I'm currently working on in Google Chrome, you know how you have multiple tabs open and you're working on different things. And one of the tabs I pulled up was my Fiverr tab. And I just have always assumed that everybody that listens to this podcast knows what Fiverr is, F-I-V-E-R-R-2-R's.com. Um, but again, that's just been an assumption over the past three years. And I've been using Fiverr for the past four years. And I don't think I've mentioned it on the show not once. Um, again, that's just because of the assumption. But if you don't know what Fiverr is, if you haven't yet checked out Fiverr.com, then I definitely suggest you check it out. Um, so that's today's tip of the week is to use Fiverr to automate and delegate things in your business. So here's what this means. Again, if you've never used Fiverr before, and I use Fiverr as well as a few other resources, and I never thought that I'd recommend Fiverr because I've actually had a lot of bad experiences with Fiverr. And this was primarily in the earlier days because I didn't really understand the platform and how to vet freelancers because that's what you use Fiverr for is to hire freelancers to do different tasks for you and your business. Uh, so it's similar to other sites and not similar to other sites like Upwork.com and or 99designs.com. So in the past, I've used Upwork for more longer term goals, like when I want to hire somebody for at least three months, six months or a year. And I use Fiverr for some of those shorter term projects like, hey, like I need you to create this PDF for me or, hey, I need you to skip trace this list or whatever it is. Right. For those, some of those really shorter term projects. And then I use 99designs.com for something that I want to get high quality for. 
right? So if I want super, super high quality business cards or a logo design, then I'm going to use 99designs and I'm going to pay at least $250, $300, $400, $500 even, depending on what I want. But for those same things on 99designs that I pay, you know, a few hundred dollars for, I can literally go to fiverr.com and pay $5 for those things. Uh, so there are many differences in the platform. 99designs is set up so that different designers all over the world are competing for your business. So again, if I pay $250 for a business card, I'm going to get at least a hundred submissions from a ton of different designers who've designed my business card. And now, um, and now I get to choose from those and whichever one I choose gets that money, right? Again, I only pay that fee one time and then I get a, and then I get a ton of submissions, which I think, I think is really cool. Cause ultimately I never know what I want, but I like that people are able to compete against each other. I'm able to give them tips and advice and they're able to come back to me with what they think the business card should look like. So I like that a lot. But again, with Fiverr, you're able to pay $5, $10, $15, um, but you're paying that to one specific person. So you're hoping they do a good job. You're hoping you hired the right person. And nine times out of 10, they will give you ultimate revisions. So that's a good thing. But you have to really check their work, right? You have to check their past progress to really, really make sure that you pick the right person. So that would be the that would be one of the major differences. But again, I had a lot of bad experiences with picking the wrong people, so I never really thought of Fiverr as a resource to mention to you guys. But I looked at the number of transactions and the number of payments I've made to Fiverr uh, just now, and I've hired freelancers off of Fiverr over the past four years sixty times. 60 different times. I'm currently hiring about three freelancers as we speak. And I'm just now realizing how pivotal this platform is to my business. Just again, the, all the little things that I need to be able to do that I may not have the expertise in, whether it's, you know, software development or it's video animation creation. I mean, there's so many things that different people around the world would be willing to do for $5. I mean, there are actors out there that will, that will create a whole promo video for you and your business and they will have props and they will actually go to a filmed location and do whatever it is that you need. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. Most of the tasks that you may seek to outsource in your business, you can probably find somebody on Fiverr that'll do it for you for dirt cheap. So this is from graphics and designs to digital marketing, to writing and translation, to voice and video animation, to music and audio, to programming, the list goes on. And more specifically for real estate, maybe you need your, your real estate logo done in 24 hours. Maybe you need a letterhead. Maybe you need your business card done. Maybe you need articles and blogs written on, on your website. Maybe you need some SEO work done. Maybe you need somebody to completely take over your social media marketing or your email marketing. Or maybe you need some brochures designed or a flyer designed. You know, one of the really cool things about where we are right now is these 3D floor plans and these listings with virtual stagings are converting more than anything else. And you have people on Fiverr who will who will do a virtual staging for you for ten dollars. You got people that would design and render 3D floor plans for the property that you may be advertising. You got Photoshopping. You got people who could make your yard signs. I mean, guys, if I had to go through the list of different things that people can do for you in your business and you could outsource for less than $5, your time is worth more than that. What can you be doing with that time that you're making cold calls? Maybe you could actually be following up with cold calls because that's where your money's going to come from. So you'll have maybe a freelancer do the cold calls and you'll follow up with the cold calls that are actual leads. So that your time is not worth $5 an hour, but maybe these leads lead to five and $10,000 deals. Imagine only focusing on those. 
the time that you're able to free up gives you more bang for your buck. So again, I just thought that with this tip of the week that if you haven't heard of Fiverr, which is not a whole lot of you, but if you haven't heard of Fiverr, head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash Fiverr. That's F-I-V-E-R-R with two R's. And if you follow that link, you get 20% off of your first order. Okay, so that's our affiliate link. If you follow that link, you get 20% off of your first order. So don't stress... Don't panic about getting your real estate website up. Let Fiverr professionals take care of it. And my biggest suggestion is to go after the freelancers who have a ton of five-star ratings. Go after the freelancers whose average response time is one to two hours or less. Go after the freelancers who have a ton of examples of past work, and you can show them exactly the look that you're going for. Again, even if you're running a one-person business, by no means do you have to do everything by yourself. You should still be able to outsource most of the things in your business to other people and focus on those revenue generating tasks. So check out Fiverr, try it out. Their customer service is also amazing. You may kiss a few frogs, but you'll eventually get the hang of it. And as you kiss those frogs, again, there's always a money back guarantee. You can reach out to customer service. You can reach out to the actual freelancer. um, And most of them provide 100% satisfaction, meaning that you can make as many edits and changes as you want until you're satisfied. So it's a win-win scenario. And if you want that 20% off discount for your first order, head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash Fiverr. And now your feature presentation. I grew up in a, in a small town in, in Missouri. It was the capital of Missouri, Jefferson City. And I, I just kind of grew up watching my mom work so hard to kind of give us a life that she didn't necessarily have. And, and so I think this work ethic has always been ingrained in me from a, from a very young age. But growing up, man, I really identified as an athlete. You know, I played basketball, baseball, football. Uh, played soccer, you know, played all the sports, and and that kind of propelled me uh, into high school, excelling in in athletics as well. And I think that what's what's the interesting perspective from from my background is my my mom, what she did, because my dad, I have a we have a whole other podcast around the influence, positive or negative, that my dad had on me. But you know, my dad was addicted to drugs and alcohol his whole life, and uh, unfortunately. I guess it was six years ago, I lost my father to, to that battle. And uh, what I saw from my mom's perspective was not only sheltering us from a lot of, of what you know she, she went through dealing with that, but also uh, the work ethic that, that she implemented, working two jobs, you know, 60, 70 hours a week to make sure that we still uh, you know, had this life that she, she wanted us to have. And so uh, I kind of took that work ethic, applied it to sports first, and it's crazy because I didn't even play football my freshman year in high school. I played basketball and I thought I was going to be in the NBA, man. I, I really did. I was, you know, a hard worker. I was a good athlete, but you know, I started packing on the pounds, the weight started coming on and, and I started to be like, you know, reaching people kept reaching out to me to play football. So my sophomore year, I decided not to play basketball anymore and, and went and played football and, and, and my career kind of took off from there. That propelled me into a really successful uh, collegiate career in football, being the team captain, implementing that same work ethic. You know, I started working when I was 14 years old. It's funny, I'm getting my driveway done at my house right now, and all the guys out there pouring concrete, I can relate because I poured concrete for three summers straight while I was in college just to pay for my for my rent. But, you know, I, I implemented that same work ethic, really tried to 
you know, do right by my mom for, for everything that she kind of, uh, you know, helped me with in life. And, and that put me in a good position in college to, to get some good looks uh, from the NFL after I was, you know, graduating. And so I had this big period of time where, you know, I, I had this opportunity to be in the NFL. And like we were talking, uh, I was down in De- Texas at the Super Regional Combine and had a great showing, got picked up as an undrafted free agent with the Oakland Raiders. Uh, that ultimately didn't pan out. And I think God had a really good plan for me why, why that didn't pan out. Uh, but that during that period of time, like I mentioned before, I, I lost my father to drugs and alcohol. I went back to school to finish my master's degree. I lost 100 pounds. I was working a full-time job, making 260 cold calls a day, driving two hours to and from uh, work, and then going to school for for uh, five hours in the in the evenings. And, and what that instilled in me and what I saw was so much change, but change that that I think that I implemented. I had a you know decision point in my life when all of these things were happening. I could either you know, decide to go down the right route, uh, the right path or, or the wrong path, you know, and I always go back to Robert Frost and try to take the, the path less chosen, chosen and the, the path less traveled. And so I, I dove back into my faith. I dove back into personal and professional development. And that really set me up for success and, and graduated with my master's degree, had a job and uh, got started working in, in Kansas City. So that's a little bit about my background, man, and, and kind of how I got, you know, necessarily to where I am today. There's a lot more to that story that I'll let you kind of pull out, but I think that's a great, uh, you know, segue into at least giving some, some listeners some, some background information about who they're, who they're listening to here. Yeah, 100%. I love it, Logan, and thanks for the uh, expanded detail. I've learned, learned so much in the past few minutes, and again, it's, it's interesting just hearing about the the effect that your parents had on, on your trajectory and, you know, equally as much, right. One from maybe not yeah. such a, a great light and another from just the ultimate best light. Right. But ultimately you took a lot of value from both of them. And, um, throughout your, your journey, it sounded like you, so after, after you, um, you make it to the NFL and, you know, ultimately that doesn't work out. You, you go and get what's quote unquote called a regular job. Yep. Right. Um, what is what is your what is your emotional state at this time? Are you well, excited yeah. about the future? Are you are you upset? Like, what are your thoughts at this time before we kind of you know move forward? Yeah, let me overlay kind of the the time frames there because I went out and I was at rookie mini camp at at uh, in, in Oakland. I was out there for a couple months, got cut, went back, uh, decided that football wasn't the the right path for me. I had plenty of surgeries. If I if you guys could see, I've got, you know, sur- I've got a surgery here, surgery here on my shoulder, broken ankle, tore some, some ligaments in the knee. So I just really felt like I wanted to use my brain instead of my body going forward. And, you know, when I decided to do that's when I lost that 100 pounds. I graduated with my master's degree, got that full-time job just to kind of get me through school because football wasn't really uh, paying the bills anymore. And when I graduated was when kind of this whole, um, you know, antithesis of of my father passing away happened and and so like I had this big decision point when I was cut from the NFL right like I was identifying as an athlete my whole life now I'm no longer an athlete and then I, I finished my master's degree I have a job lined up outside of the job I already had um, whenever I was getting ready to graduate and that's when my father passed away and so you know I was going through this big change in, in who I was as a man but also this big change of losing my father and now I'm supposed to start a career. And, you know, when I was getting ready to, to start this career, which was a franchise consultant with Jimmy John's, I was the youngest 
franchise consultant they had ever hired. And, you know, I had to delay my, my, uh, my job two to three weeks to stay with my dad while he was kind of, you know, on his deathbed, so to speak. And the day that I left and I drove to Michigan to start my training three hours after I left, I said, and our father with my father and uh, three hours, I got a call from the, from where he was at saying that he had passed away. So I do know that he was, you know, he was kind of holding on to, uh, to, to me whenever I was, I was going, but that was this big kind of emotional time in my life where I really had to, to dive back into who I was as an individual and who I was as a man and, you know, being cut from the NFL, losing that weight, losing my father, you know, I, I kind of was at, you know, some people might say I was at rock bottom, but really in, in all reality, I know now that that was the foundation that was setting me up for where I am today because anything that happens to me today I know I can get through because I've already been through almost, you know, what, what I could say, so to speak, might be the worst, right? Getting your, your dreams ripped away from you, losing your father, you know, and, and doing all of these different things all at once. So like I have this emotional capacity now to, to, to take on what I would call um, life, you know? And, and so to me, the emotional state that I was in, thank God, literally, I don't say that lightly, um, that I had great mentors in my life to say, look, man, you've got it. This is a big turning point in your life. You can, you can make the right choice or you can make the wrong choice. And uh, thankfully, I, I made some of the right choices, not all of them, because I was struggling. Uh, I had my own battle with, you know, going out and partying after my dad passed away and all this different stuff, but nothing to the extent that I couldn't necessarily get control of. And um, you know, I, I think that that period of time in my life showed me that, hey, when everything's taken away from you, you know, like Viktor Frankl said in, in, in Man's Search for Meaning, they can't take your soul away and they can't, they can do anything to your body, anything existential can happen to you, but your you, who you are as a person, you define that and the choices that you make from that is who you are. And so that really showed me, man, that I could have a direct influence on how my life was was going, at least to a certain extent. The things that I could control, I started to control, and and I really started to to have a lot of confidence in myself. Yeah, that's absolutely amazing, Logan. And you know, it's funny because I think that this happens with every facet of our lives. Like you don't understand, you don't realize how much you have in the tank until you test it. Yep. Until, you know, there's a book, and it's been maybe a few years since I've read it. I'm trying to think of the name. It's called um, Living with Seal by, um, by Oh, yeah. Whistler. I got it on my back. I also have Can't Hurt Me right over here. Oh, yeah, I love that book. Yeah, I read that book probably last year. Um, but, you know, David Goggins, the, the, the seal that Jesse was living with, he got Jesse to realize that every time Jesse thought he was tired, every, thought, every time Jesse thought he couldn't go anymore, he was like, dude. Only 40%. You've only, you've only exhausted 40%. 40%. And, it, it, you know, even, even, and I'm not a great swimmer by any means, but I mean, I, I can hold my own. But even as a swimmer, you know, you start to realize that when your brain is telling you that you can no longer breathe, you know, you know how much you have left in the tank. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you want to be safe. Your brain wants to be cautious. That's right. You know, but again, once you reach that that threshold that you personally think you're at, you realize there's so much. I mean, even even going from a financial sense. Right. Like I, I've, I've thought about times just hitting rock bottom, Logan. And I'm just like, dude, like, you know, I, this this quote is, is there's not a quote, but this uh, this this um, this thought is from another book. I think it just may be rich dad, poor dad. But, you know, I think uh, Robert said that he wanted to go 
broke and lose everything by the time he was 30. I think he said, I think uh, somebody, somebody, somebody fact checked me. I think it was Robert who said that in, in Rich Dad Poor Dad, one of the series, but he wanted to go broke by the time he was 30 so that he can prove to himself that it wasn't a fluke. Yep. That he can do it again. That's right, man. That's you right. Know, you, you know, I, I feel like you want to interject here. Go ahead. I do. Yeah. Because, you know, there's this, there's this Spotify track. If anybody, any of your listeners listen to Spotify, man, I use Spotify to, to get me in the zone. Right. But the 40% rule has been so instrumental in my life. So I'm sitting up there, you know, getting ready early. It was about 10 o'clock today. It's, it's noon now. And I'm like, man, I got this, you know, about an hour and a half of time. I've got four or five calls I need to make. I'm tired. I've had a long week. We've, we've been pushing hard in the business, but I said, I know I need to get my workout in. And, and so I went over to my garage and I play, I started, I started just getting that mindset a little bit, click on David Goggins. He's got this Spotify track somebody put together that says, you know, he was doing an interview. He took his interview and put it on the Spotify track. He says, do you know what goes through your mind when you're running a 225 mile race and you're a hundred miles in and your body feels like it's shutting down? That's the cookie jar that I'm dipping. That's what I'm jumping into. And I, I kind of relate to that. You know, we both had our, our different stories and David Goggins life growing up was way worse than, than mine, but I can relate to that, man. Like I, I can dip into that cookie jar and I was out there pumping iron uh, while I was on the phone. No excuses. Another guy that, that really pumps me up a lot is Jocko Willink. You know, he's another seal and Jocko Willink's extreme ownership book, man. I've implemented that into our business. It's like, you know, you don't close that deal. You don't raise that capital. You don't, you don't get that thing done. It's nobody else's fault, man. It's your fault. Did you take Sunday off? Did you take Saturday off? Did you stop at five? Then it's your fault. You have to take extreme ownership of who you are and what you're doing and don't make any excuses. And so when somebody brings me on to do a project, they know that it gets done. And because I do not stop until that project is done and I, I zero out everything else, right? Except for, you know, my, my faith, my family, my fitness, right? But it's, it's that, that one thing, that one central project that we're working on. And that puts me in the class of what, what Tim Grover calls a cleaner, right? There's coolers, there's closers, and then there's cleaners. Everybody was watching Michael Jordan's, you know, last series, the thing that they, whatever it was called, I can't remember. But that guy, that young guy in the background that's training Michael Jordan, that's Tim Grover. I was listening and watching and following Tim Grover before anybody knew who Tim Grover was. He has a book called Relentless. And there's, there's a mentality. And some of my business partners don't necessarily get this about me. But like when we have, we just closed the biggest project to date, seven and a half million dollars, closed it during COVID, awesome deal. But like the day that it closed, which was yesterday, I'm like, next. You know, I did not even stop. And, and that's hard for some people to, to realize. They go, you need to celebrate your wins. And, and sure, I do. But I have this mentality of like the cleaner mentality, like that was expected. That wasn't something that, that just happened because we got lucky. That's the expected result. That's what I get. I, I set myself to lose 100 pounds. I lost 120. I set myself to, to make a certain amount of dollars. I make more. Same, same thing, man. It's, this, it's like the deal's closed. You're moving on to the next one. I don't, I don't sit back and rest on my laurels. And, and people are like, how do you post five times a day natively on LinkedIn? I'm like, I set a time in my schedule and I do it. You can too. It's not that hard. How'd your followers go from this to that in this period of time? I post it every single day and still do to this day. You just, you have to do it. And, and so it's just this mentality, man, that Jocko, Tim, David Goggins, all these guys that have just 
just been ingrained in me. And I realized that my mom was the first cleaner in, in her certain aspect of her life. She's got a lot of faults just like everybody else does. But my mom knew exactly what she needed to do to get us kids to where we would have a life that she, that to, to, to not go down the same route as my, my father did. And she did it. And she sacrificed. Success is not about what you're willing to do. It's about what you're willing to give up to get there. And, and those, that mentality part of, of everything that's going on right now with COVID, with our social injustice that's going on in our world, all of it, man, it has to do with mentality and it has to do with who you are as a person. And so many people don't realize that. They don't get deep with themselves. They're not real with themselves to actually understand, to make serious change. You got to change who you are as a person before you can change the world. And that's the hardest thing that, that people don't want to, to hear. And that's the message that they need to hear. I just ran off on a big rant and I'm going to stop now because but I just get so pumped up about that stuff, man. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm in one accordance with you, my man. And um, my mom is a cleaner as well. So I absolutely mm-hmm. can relate to that 100%. Um, yep. Do you Shout know- out to all the moms out there that are cleaners. <laughs> they're making great men out there. My, I'm working on my, my second, my second child will be here in, you know, in less than a, in less than a month. And my wife is a, a cleaner, true and true in, in being a mother, man. And that is the, one of the hardest jobs there are is to deal with guys like, like me sitting right here. I love it. I love it. Do you, do you by any chance, do you know Tim Bratz? You know, I've seen Tim started to pop up on some people's uh, podcasts and things like that. Uh, Ruben, my buddy, Ruben Graff just had him on, I think his podcast. I've been listening to a little bit of Tim stuff. The reason I ask is because we're, we're Facebook friends and uh, for the past 30 days, he's done he's done this challenge with the, with himself, but he's, he's broadcasted it publicly to uh, to earn a net revenue of a million dollars. And he's broadcasting yeah. every single day his journey where he is at the time. And, and he just yesterday was his 31st or 30th day and he got to one point two seven million of new revenue this in the past 30 days. And again, it's, it's just kind of wrapping up everything that we've talked about, just going yep. back to extreme ownership, going back to having these goals and having more in the tank. I mean, he even said at the, on the 30th day, like he could have done more. Sure. He re- but he didn't understand or realize that he could have done more until the 30th day had gotten here. He was like, wow, I could have, I could have, I could have beat that. I could have surpassed yeah. that. I wasn't, re- I thought I was going full throttle, but I wasn't. Yeah. It's absolutely. Going 40%. Yeah, exactly. And, Walk me through. I'm, I'm curious because I want our listeners to understand extreme ownership. But why don't you give me a personal example of extreme ownership in your life? Okay. So, you know, this is, I didn't even mention this in the story, but as I was working those uh, corporate jobs, you know, I went from the franchise consulting job to a startup with two people, grew that startup. They had a great success, left there, went to what I would thought was a, a really safe, um, you know, kind of reputable company and 15 months in to that job, I got called in at 6 a.m. in the morning. And you only get called in at 6 a.m. in the morning for one reason. And it's usually to get fired. And I kind of I kind of set myself up. I said, I think that I'm going to get let go today. Uh, I was out of the blue. I just closed the deal the last the week before. Uh, I was like, man, this this seems odd, but you know, I'll go in. And you know, I, I got fired. Um, and, and as a very proud a uh, person who who kind of puts a lot of what I would call clout in my professional journey and in what I was trying to accomplish, that really kind of kind of hit me hard. And but I I sat in my car after I got fired and I listened to what they had to say. Didn't necessarily agree with it all, but I didn't have to agree with it all because that's what their perspective was and they were in control. And that day was the day that my wife called me 
after I let her know, I shot her a text. I said, hey, I'm going to take a few minutes, but I just got fired. She called me directly, like just right after that, because she that's that's who she is. She said, hey, uh, I just want you to know that uh, I I support you in everything that you want to do, and you've been wanting to go off on your own for, for some time, and just check your email whenever you get home. I said, okay, great. I love you, sweetie. I'll be home in a little bit. So she was at work. I get home. I checked my email. And that, that was the day that she had already started Live Free uh, Investments for me. And she, she got online. She started the Articles of Organization, had all that stuff registered with Missouri, you know, Department of Labor or whatever it was. And she said, I back you 100%, period. And I sat there and I, and I had this moment of like, okay, just got fired. And when a lot of people get fired, what they tell you is like, um, they, they left the company, right? It was just like a time for them to leave. And, and my wife knows better than, than, than that. We had some of our great friends over uh, just that last, that was on a Wednesday. On Friday, they were scheduled to come over for dinner. And they're like, so what's new? And, you know, I just blurted out, well, I got fired on Wednesday. You know, I had extreme ownership of what happened at that job. I was not bought into the product, to the service. I was not bought in working you know, eight to eight to 10 hours a day for somebody else. I was not bought into what we were doing and I did not give it my all. At first I had a thought like, you know, maybe it was something that they, they didn't like me about myself or, or maybe it was just that they brought, brought on that private equity firm and they were letting people go. But that was the moment that I said, no, you remember what, what Jocko said, everything that happens in your life, you either made a choice that put you there or you, you have to take extreme ownership of where you're at right now. And that's the moment that I took extreme ownership. And I said, I will never work for somebody else in my life. I will always be working for the greater good and what I feel like is, is, is my calling. And I'm going to take extreme ownership and taking uh, extreme action and responsibility in what I'm doing going forward. And that was three years ago. And, you know, uh, to, to this day, in, you know, we've been cash flow positive in our, in our business, which, you know, if you know anything about small businesses, when you're just getting started, 90% of them fail. Um, it's very, very difficult to, to kind of get started. But that was the moment that I think I took a lot of extreme ownership just in the recent history. Uh, on top of that was also when I was cut from the NFL, how to take extreme ownership, you know, and, and, and what I was what I was going to do next. So those two moments in my life, I think that I didn't, I didn't have a pity party. You know, I didn't say, hey, you know, it was, it was because of this, this or this. It was because either I wasn't performing at the way that I, they wouldn't let me go if I wasn't performing at the level that they wanted me to. Right. Um, either, either one, the NFL or this job. And so I took extreme ownership, learned my strengths, learned my weaknesses and figured out what I needed to do to build a business that I would never have to answer to somebody else. Wow. In the process, I want to explore your mind for a bit in the process of building such a business. What was the first conceptualized thought that you can remember in terms of you wanting to get into the real estate business and how did this happen? So, you, you know, I've been in Kansas city for close to seven years. And when I moved to Kansas city, you know, I, I knew that I wasn't going to be a renter. Uh, I knew I had read rich dad, poor dad. I didn't have enough money necessarily to go buy a, a big rental portfolio at the time. But what I did know I could do is I could utilize this financing that was first time home buyers and, and owner occupant and, and get a roommate. And so I started buying houses, living in them, renting them out, the other rooms out to my buddies and while I renovated them myself. And so I, I started to buy real estate, which allowed me to, 
to kind of get a little bit of a, a capital pool started for myself and also learn more about the real estate game. And, and that, that kind of propelled me into uh, buying longer term, you know, in, in commercial and multifamily properties was that first, you know, first couple flips that I did and, and started to learn more about the, the real estate world. But it, it was ingrained in me through that time that I was going, I was driving an hour and forth back from that job that I was making 250, 260 cold calls a day. Uh, I would listen to podcasts and the only podcasts that were really um, out then at the time, you think back seven years ago was uh, John Lee Dumas with Entrepreneurs on Fire and also <laughs> Lewis House, The School of Greatness. And through those two podcasts, I st- and then in the real estate guys was the Cashflow Diaries uh, with, uh, oh man, I can't remember his name. I'm trying uh, he's to remember been, myself. been in the uh, game for a long time though. It was that guy. And it was Matt Terrio with the, uh, he, those two were the real estate guys. And so I started listening to these and then I got turned on to the Rich Dad Advisors, Tom Wheelwright, uh, Robert Kiyosaki, all those guys started lear- learning about this stuff. And I knew that that's where my long-term wealth was going to be created was in real estate. And so when I moved to Kansas City, I just started buying my, my first houses and, and gaining equity in those and, and kind of essentially flipping them, living them in, in, for two years and then, and then flipping those houses. And you did all of this as you while you were a consultant at uh, at Jimmy John's. That's right. Yep. Okay. So so then you go and start this startup. Tell me about the startup. So it's funny because when I got fired, I actually started a sales consulting firm, and my sales consulting firm, you know, I I, I took Inc.'s five thousands fastest growing companies. I called the first thousand of them, uh, which didn't take me that long because I was used to being on the phone, and uh, I landed three full time clients, and they were like, well you know, Logan, we, we, we believe in you. You don't have a track record, but we think you're, you're a good person to, to help our organization. What can you do? And I said, well, whatever you need. So I was making cold calls for people. I was flying around the country, going to, um, events for them, you know, wearing their, their logos on my shirt, pitching their products at booths and doing all kinds of crazy stuff, setting up CRM systems, you, you name it. I was, I was working on that stuff. But at the same time, I took a, a, a position with a small real estate firm here, um, and I was a, I was the head of acquisitions for a fifty million dollar fund. And in less than ten, and this is these are at the same time. So I was running the sales consulting firm, and I was the head of acquisitions. And neither knew, uh, neither one knew what I was doing on the side. So I basically had two full time jobs. But I, I was doing over ten transactions, and this was on the the single family home side and four and under uh, residential side at the time. And in, in my first 10 months as an agent for that uh, acquisition firm, I did over 100 transactions while I was running a full-time uh, multiple six-figure consulting firm as well. So uh, that's kind of that kind of got me, I guess, started in the real estate world. Six months into that job, the uh, sales consulting job, my wife took me out. She's, you know, if you're ever you know, if you ever are interested in strength finders or your listeners want to learn more about themselves learning or taking the strength finders test and learning what your top five talents are is, is an incredible tool to, to actually have. And so I took that and I realized that my wife and I have my wife do the same thing. I realized that she was an individual uh, or sorry, I was individualization was my top strength. Hers was strategic. So on this walk that she took me, she said, Logan, I always believed in you. I never thought that you would build two businesses at the same time. Uh, but wow, you're, you're really killing it in both of them, but you need to be more rifled in instead of shotgunning all over the place. And so that's the day that I called those consulting firms and said, hey, we're, I'm going to finish up these contracts for you, uh, but I'm moving my business in a different direction. And that took about three or four months to, to wind those contracts down. 
uh, on the consulting side of things. Uh, and that's when I started to buy commercial uh, multifamily properties for myself because I'm a firm believer that I can't sell or be involved in anything that I haven't done myself first, right? I go back to Grant Cardone. If you're a salesperson and you don't use the product that you sell, you don't drive the car that you sell, you don't wear the clothes that you sell, whatever it is, you're not bought in. And so I went in and bought some, some properties myself. Um, and that's a, uh, there's some big failures in, in that as well. But at the same time, I learned a lot about, about what a transaction would, would take. And that's what was, when what I, was the biggest failure. Well, I'll, I'll tell you. So I bought a, uh, a 12,000 square foot commercial building uh, off market, completely vacant, 100 year old building in one of the hottest spots uh, in Kansas City. Negotiated the contract with the, with the lady, um, started renovation, closed on the property, started on the renovation and had the wrong contractor in. I bought that property 15 months ago with an investor. Uh, and just yesterday, I decided to sell my equity shares back to that investor because the project is still vacant, it's not completed, and it's caused me all kinds of stress and anxiety because I don't have control in the property and I also didn't have any experience, had the wrong contractor in place, the wrong financing, and I didn't have a plan. So I I just thought that uh, at this period of time, everything I touched turned to gold, right? I had the Midas a touch and I got knocked down a couple levels. So yesterday, I, I sat down with that investor and I said, look, you need, you need somebody else on this project or I need to give you back what I own in, our own in the project because you need to have full control of where it goes because we're not seeing necessarily eye to eye per se. And so uh, that biggest failure or the biggest learning lesson I had on that project, lost a lot of money on that deal. Um, a lot of more, more or less than money was just my time. Oh my gosh, my time uh, and then stress over that project. But the biggest lesson learned on that project was to have the right team in place from day one, even if they cost a little bit more. Uh, I did not have that for that project. So um, that, but that, that learning lesson and getting into commercial and multifamily has trajected me, you know, into, in the last, in the last 12 months, we've completed over nine syndications worth multiple hundred millions of dollars of real estate and raised $15 million worth of equity for those projects. Um, I wouldn't be able to do that if I hadn't made those mistakes kind of um, that I did by myself, right? So um, that, that started off to the, the footprint of what, what is now Live Free Investments and what we do here in Kansas City. I've got the right team, the right people on the right seats, in the right seats, on the right vehicle, headed in the right direction. And I'm able to scale up much faster and much less stressful than I was before. I love it. Um, Logan, I, what, what book have you most recently gifted the most and why? Oh man, a lot of my friends are starting to have kids. So um, I, I've been gifting a lot of parenting books. Um, but one that was really interesting um, was how to speak so kids listen. Uh, if anybody listens to podcasts, you need to check out uh, a, this guy. He, he was an NFL football player. His name's Ola Nii Shobo. And Nii Shobo runs the Sports Motivation Podcast. And he has like five or six kids. And, and anyways, long story short, he started reading these parenting books and realized that that these parenting books actually parlay into communications with other people as well. And so um, I've been gifting uh, a lot of parenting books, but uh, the one book that I, I've been gifting more than anything, because I, I love to hear people's reactions to it because it's pretty controversial, is Relentless of, uh, by Tim Grover. Tim S. Grover. So uh, I've been gifting the, the just the crap out of that book. And I love it because the real cleaners um, you know, come back to me and they say, I got it. The one, and, and, and when I check in on other people that I got it, 
for and they've read it or maybe they haven't read it. They don't they just don't get that. And, and so do you think do you think, Logan, you can turn that on? I mean, going back to where I mean, even even Tim Grover and, and Michael Jordan and maybe even Kobe Bryant, like I don't think that everybody's made like that. Like some people, they it's just either you have it or you don't, or do you think it can be it can be learned? Yeah. So I I do not necessarily think it can be learned. And I think that Tim Grover, I was just listening to another, because he doesn't do a lot of interviews, but um, you know, if you're online at all, you probably know who Ty Lopez is. Ty Lopez is a, this, this internet marketer. I honestly have no idea what he actually does. I don't um, if any, if anybody does, please let me know. You say you do. I don't either. <laughs> yeah, but he's everywhere. If you get on YouTube, He's the one guy with the cars and the books and, and all of this. That, that's Ty Lopez. But Ty had him on his podcast. And they actually asked him that question. And, and Tim said, not everybody is a cleaner and that is okay. People are comfortable being comfortable and those are coolers. And that is all right. There is nothing wrong with that. If you're comfortable being comfortable, that is totally fine. Big thing that I learned growing up and, and you know, going through this big personal and professional transformation was I tried to bring a lot of my friends that were not closers and people that really had the same aspirations as me up to where I was trying to go. And, and I, that caused a lot of strife, man. Mm. It caused so much strife. And I learned, Logan, you have to, and this is through emotional intelligence training and, and different things that I've done, but you have to meet people where they're at. And if they're not, trying to go where you are, that is a-okay, but you have to meet them where they're at, where, where they're at. And, and I think the biggest thing that I learned from that was you, and we're reading a book called Sizing People Up Right Now uh, by Robin Dreek. And, and my main takeaway from that book right now is you can, you can love somebody, but not like them. I'll say that again. You can love somebody, but not like them. And, and that was a really interesting concept for me uh, to try to, to and, I, and I realized my, some of my family, some of my friends, I love you, but I don't necessarily like what you do on a regular basis, but it's not my job to change that. It's my job to be an example. And if you want to come alongside and, and go with me, fine, but I'm not going to be reaching back down and trying to pull you back up all the time. And that was a huge learning lesson for me. Uh, so Tim, back to your question, he mentions that People are fine, comfortable being comfortable, and there's a you know probably seventy five percent of the, the the population falls into that, and that's okay. Um, but cleaners are comfortable being uncomfortable, and that is the differentiating factor. I put so much pressure, and he also he also says that pressure is a privilege. You know, pref, pressure is a privilege. If you are you know called in to do a project then you're probably a closer. You get the job done as long as not too many variables are put on your, your, your back. But if you're a cleaner, you get the project. And that's the type of person that I associate my, my business dealings with is I want to be around the people that get the project, that they not only get the result, they get it most of the time and you don't have to tell them what they need to do to get it. And if you ask them how they got the result, they don't know how to tell you. Hey, it's done. Here's the result. I'm on to the next one. Don't ask a cleaner how it gets it, how they get it done. I lead the sales training at uh, my brokerage. So today at in about an hour, I'll have, you know, 15 brokers on there and they're all asking me, how are you doing this? How are you doing that? And I, I've had to really get self-reflective on what am I doing on a regular basis 
that is putting myself in a position that these new brokers are trying to get to. And it's very hard for me because it's just so ingrained in my, in my uh, mentality to just operate at this level of excellence or at least trying to achieve excellence. You'll never get there. You'll get to perfection, but you, no, no, you'll never get to perfection but you can get to excellence, right? And so I, I'm, I'm trying to always be, you know, as, as excellent as I possibly can. And, and I, I say the, the main thing that I've, I've dialed this back down to is you are looking at commercial real estate as a job. I look at it as a wealth building vehicle. And that's the biggest difference. It's not a job to me. It's what I do for a living on a regular basis that I believe in. And that is to my bone. And until I can help people see that, feel that, I don't know if I'm doing my, 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 my justice to them as a, as a quote unquote, you know, teacher, but I'm trying to do that. And so, you know, I think it's totally fine if you're not a cleaner, you might be, a, I do think that you can move from closer to a cleaner because the examples that he gives in his book is about LeBron James, you know, Dwayne Wade, cleaner, Kobe Bryant, cleaner, Michael Jordan, uh, cleaner, Larry Bird cleaner. Uh, was Charles Barkley? Cleaner. You know, they, they, there's a story in there. If you'll indulge me, I know we're probably coming up on time, but there's a story in there that uh, a guy was at a bar and he threw a drink on Charles Barkley. Charles picked him up and threw him through a, a plate glass window at the, at court. Cause he went to court. The judge, he was found not guilty. And the judge said, what did you learn through this? Charles? He said, I learned that I should have walked up to the, I should have dragged him up to the third floor, thrown him out the window and finished the job. That <laughs> cleaner's mentality. You know what I mean? Like that's, that is just a different level that not everybody wants to operate out or they can. But LeBron in certain times in his career has mm-hmm. been able to elevate himself to a cleaner. I mean, you, you're, you, it might, it might, you might seem like he doesn't, but there are certain times that he maybe has, but he would not have won the 2012 championship without Dwayne Wade. Dwayne, in the middle of that series, flew to Chicago to see Tim Grover for less than eight hours and then flew black back. All he did was just go talk to Tim and said, so it's just incredible. This is in the book, guys. Got to go read it. This is in the oh, book. Oh, <laughs> man. I, I've, just been, I've just been hyped on this book. I just read it again for like the fifth time. And uh, – I just think that it's it's so helpful in in periods of time like we're we're at right now. But um, I do think you can maybe move from a closer to a cleaner. But if you're a cooler and you're comfortable being comfortable, you'll never be comfortable being uncomfortable, and that is okay. Just find guys like Dre and myself, and we'll we'll take care of you. I love it. I love it, man. This has been powerful, Logan. And man, I have two questions before we get to our last and final round. One is a bit of a side tangent, uh, just to draw on your sales skills and expertise. Back in the day when you you were working at Jimmy John's, I mean, you were making cold calls of two hundred and fifty calls per day. Yep. Immediately after that, you 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 scoured a list of you know Fortune 500 companies at, at your startup, and you started cold calling and hammering away there. That's right. And now you know with, with the brokerage and helping other brokers, I'm sure there's a lot of that going on. Whether you're doing it That's yourself cool. directly or other people, what are some what are some principles yep. you learned over time that help you exceed at this job more than anybody else? Absolutely. So the first is that is, is talking about rejection, right? And until you can separate being rejected on the phone from a business proposition, from who you are as a person, you're not going to succeed in sales. When they say no, 
It's not that they're saying no to you as a person. It's to what you're presenting to them, right? So you have to delineate between the two. And until you can, you won't be able to hear no, no, no. But you'll find that if you can, you'll just say, okay, I need to get that value proposition a little bit better. I need to create more value for them. I need to do certain things differently. And maybe you'll start getting more yeses. So that's the the first one. The second one, when you're calling somebody and you do not have a scheduled meeting with them, you are interrupting them. So do not feel like it's, you know, awkward that they say, who's this? Why are you calling? Be prepared for that. You're cold calling them, right? And so you're interrupting them from a regular business operation that they're currently doing. So if you're not ready, you don't have something for them, or you're not changing the way that they're thinking about something, then they're going to reject you. So you need to know that you're interrupting them and you need to know what to say in the right ways and in, 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 in a confident way that's going to add value to their lives or ask a thought-provoking question. So that's the second one. The third one I would say is, is to really be disciplined about it. And all I mean like this is it's going to suck. It's not going to be fun. And if you can't hear that and still do something, then you're not made for the job. But if you can push through that, Brian Tracy is a great sales trainer, a guy that I look up to um, very, very much. And he wrote a book called Eat That Frog. Wasn't that Brian Tracy? Yeah. I think it was Brian Tracy. Who knows? That guy's written like 70 books. You know, he's like 90 years old too. So it's not hard to write a book every year if you're 90 years old. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding, Brian. I love you. But (laughs) Brian wrote that book, Eat the Frog. Figure out what's your hardest I was going to pull out my, my journal, but I don't have it down here with me. Figure out what your hardest task is. And I'm a firm believer that we all have decision juice throughout the day as you make more decisions. And Jocko will, will, um, Jocko will disagree with me on this, but Jocko, I get up earlier than you. So if you're listening to this, I challenge you to make it from 4.30 to 4 a.m. and get on my level. Yeah. But I, sorry. It's, no, it's funny because one of his closest friends, you know, Tim, Tim Ferriss has the exact opposite belief of Jocko. And you believe what I and Tim believe that there's something called decision fatigue. And this I, is why Steve Jobs wears a black shirt every single day. I mean, every single day. <laughs> so if you're going through your day and you have ch- children to make decisions about, you have a spouse to make decisions about, you have a business to make, you got to eat, you got to figure out what you're eating, what you're wearing. I have podcast shirts less than six feet away from here. There's podcast shirts. Every time I come down without a shirt on, I put one of my podcast shirts on. I'm ready to go. Because you, if you get to 3 p.m. and you still have to make 50 cold calls, you think you're going to do that? No, not happening. So, in the morning, you probably cannot get a hold of me until after lunch because those four to five hours, I'm not worried about anything new. I'm not worried about any shiny object. I'm worried about my profit producing activities. And until those are done, I do not allow myself to do anything else. And most days, I don't even eat until you know one o'clock because that's not important to me until then, but I also do intermittent fasting. So that's something that I have to, to oblige by too, because when you're an ex offensive lineman that weighed 335 pounds and you still have a appetite as a gorilla, you have to be careful how much you eat. I can tell you, you work out and, 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 you know, you got your stuff under control, but you know, I, I gotta, I gotta limit that eating window. Cause I can eat a steak every single hour. <laughs> allow me to. But I think it's those three things, man. It's discipline, 
eating that frog early. It's know that you're interrupting people and delineate between the rejection of who you are and what you are offering to somebody. If those three things I can get all over to people, I think they'll have so much more success. Absolutely love it. Absolutely. And I totally agree. You know, uh, there's a book by Robin Sherma called The 5 a.m. Club. Yes. And um, absolutely amazing book. And I, um, I've probably read this book three or four times at this point, but I, I had an episode in the beginning of 2020 called The 5 a.m. Club. And it's something that I literally talk to my listeners about every single time we get on the horn because it's that important. Yep. Logan, by 10 a.m., by 10 a.m., whether I have to cancel the rest of my day because of an emergency or by or I have or I just feel like taking the day off, I would have accomplished every single major important facet of my life by 10 a.m. Because I wake up at 5 a.m., because for the first two hours I focus on myself, because I go work out right after that, and because I eat that frog from eight to ten and I do the most mm-hmm. important things in my business, no matter what, I get that done between eight and ten. So that by 10 a.m., even though I have a day full of calls, I may have appointments, I may have an entire day that lasts until eleven p.m., but I know by by 10 a.m. if I need to cancel the entire day, I can because I've done the most important thing in my business to keep it moving forward. That's now, right, man. I have a question that I haven't asked before, but I've been thinking about adding this to our last six questions that I ask to every single guest. So you're going to be the first person I ask it to because I think it's really interesting and it help a lot of first-time investors and entrepreneurs really think about how to build a business. So uh, again, we may, we may, guys, we may introduce this as, as part of our, our final round here shortly. We'll see how this goes. But ultimately, I want to know, Logan, if, if I were to take away all of your resources, all of your money, and all of your contacts, all you had left was your, your knowledge and expertise and what you do. How would you build yourself back up? How would you build your wealth back up? What would you do? Walk me through that really quick. Yeah, absolutely. Before we jump into that call, if you ever decide to move to Kansas City, Missouri, we will be teaming up on everything. By the way, I love <laughs> your, your mentality, man. If I can get you to Missouri, we'll, we'll grow this thing to 10,000 units. Anyways, I just needed to get that off my chest. I love it, man. Absolutely. Your message is you're doing the right thing. Your message is incredible, and I love it. So if I, I, I've thought about this quite a bit. And, and I would, here's what I would do. I, I would, I would go back, I'd buy one book. If I, if you took my, all my books away, if anybody's, you're not probably watching this, but there's this these books. books go all the way over there. I mean, there's way more than you can't, you can't see. I pick up MJ DeMarco's millionaires fast lane. And I would read that three times through. Mm-hmm. And then I would take a piece of loose leaf and I would relate what's going on in our current economy and the current opportunities where I, I lived, right? Like where I was geographically. And I would say, okay, I'm in the Midwest. I know that this is, you know, a market that is somewhat what I'll call insulated from the coast. So it's not, it does not get hit as hard from a recession. So there's probably opportunities here. And I would read that book and I would figure out what my new business was going to be. It might not even be in real estate. If you've took everything away from what I knew today, I might not even be in real estate. I might be in something else. I always tell people that I'm a sales and marketing guy and the vehicle that I'm in right now is commercial real estate. So I would read that book, which I need to reread again. I would make a list of 50 ideas that are pain points that I think that I've thought about you know, in the recent past. And then I would start to ask my wife and I would start to ask my other friends about what they have experienced recently and see what challenges that I could potentially solve. And that might, because I do know that it's very difficult to get to, like I watch a lot of people, a lot of our investors either build a business and then sell it. And now they have the money to invest in real estate. If I could go back seven, eight years, 
I would potentially try to start a business that would be able to be scaled and sold that would allow me to then have a sum of money to go be a passive investor all of the time. And I still might do that. I very well might too. I can't right now because I'm so, I have so much momentum on what we're doing, but that's exactly what I would do. I'd read MJ DeMarco's Millionaire's Fast Lane. I'd write out 50 business ideas. I'd take those 50 to the most close to people that I, I trusted that I know are successful. And I'd say, what do you think I can build a business around? I'd start asking people. And then I would start to, I would start to legitimately uh, try to figure out which one had, had the most clout to it. Wow. Wow. Um, Logan, you've made it official. That question is officially added. <laughs> that is a really good question. Yeah, that wow, that's that's some that's some great insight, guys. And again, like I think that just knowing the insight of somebody who's already made it, who's already gotten to the success that you guys are looking to get, I mean, this is insane. Right. And I love, I love, I love that, that that's kind of where, what you're thinking about. And again, it, it just shows that you have the right mindset for what you're doing. Lifestyle design acceleration hacks. What is your favorite before the millions book? Oh my gosh. This is so difficult, but I have to say, uh, awaken the giant within by Tony Robbins. Robbins. You can't give what you don't have, man. And if you don't have what, who you really are, you can't give yourself. It has to be that book. I love it. Absolutely. Awaken the giant within. Absolutely. Um, what is your favorite lifestyle design app? This can be a business app or tool. Yes. Um, so I actually use something uh, called, and I'm sure a lot of your, your, your listeners use this, but uh, I was ingrained in me at Jimmy John's. If you can't measure it, you can't manage it. And one thing I have to take extreme ownership, as everybody knows now, is your health. And so uh, it's not a business um, app per se, but it's my fitness pal. Um, I track what I eat and I also use an app called zero to do a 16, eight intermittent fasting. Cause I have read tribe of mentors and what's the big orange one. Uh, no tribe of mentors. And then the other Tim Ferriss book that has all those things in there. And I believe in it. So, uh, it, it'd probably be those two on, on that side of things. Um, right now, from a business perspective, I'm making a lot of video. Video content is selling well. Uh, I use an app called Capwing and uh, Clipomatic to put subtitles on my videos. And they make me keep it to 60 seconds. So I have to be clear, concise, and compelling in 60 seconds. And so I love the little Clipomatic video. It pushes me to uh, keep my message short and, and good nuggets, but it also puts the subtitles on there and it's free. It's, it's wonderful. I love it. Absolutely. We'll have uh, the links to uh, all of those apps in the show notes. And uh, yeah, those two Tim Ferriss books, you know, they just came out on Audible literally last week. And uh, oh, wow. people, yeah, if people have been dying for them to come out on Audible for the past 10 years. And he said, no, it doesn't make sense. I'm not going to do it. And now during quarantine, he's just like, you know what? He I'm released doing both it. of them on Audible. It's cool. uh, Tribe of Mentors and uh, Tools of Titans. Tools of Titans. That's yeah. it. Yep. Yep. Um, okay. What? do you enjoy most about the way your lifestyle is currently designed? Yeah, I, I don't answer it to anybody. And, and that's really important to me. I mean, the, nobody can put their thumb on, on me. And, and like you mentioned before 10 a.m., it's probably before 11 a.m. for me. But, you know, from 4 to 11, I've got most work done that many people have, have done, you know, their, their whole day or haven't even woke up to do yet. So uh, it's just the control of being able to look at my schedule, say, that needs moved. That needs moved. I'm not doing that today. I'm doing this and, and then controlling that. So it's being able to direct the, the, the vision of what I have every single day. Who was essential to your growth before the millions and why? Yeah, I would say that there was a gentleman who, who now invests in our, 
in our uh, projects, but you know, he, he got mentioned on one of my last podcasts, but uh, it's, it's, his name is Doug Bax and Doug is a, um, a mentor of mine. Uh, he has a big family. He's a uh, very good Christian guy. He's a very successful business owner, very successful athlete. Uh, but he was that guy that pulled me up during the period of time that I needed to make the biggest decision of my life. And it, it was it was to go down the same route my father did or choose a different path. And without his direction, um, I would be not be sitting in the seat that I'm sitting in right now. I love that. Absolutely. Last but not least, why do you think so many of us are stuck? before the millions, even though we have every intention of getting to the millions. You're not real with yourself. People aren't real with themselves. They make excuses and they rationalize why they shouldn't or can't do something. And until you expand and crush those limiting beliefs, again, read, awaken the giant within, crush those limiting beliefs. You won't be who you, you'll, you'll only be operating out of 40%. It's, it's the, it's the biggest you know, hold, holder to, to everything, you know, what is there that, uh, that saying that, you know, you, it's like the elephant, the elephants in the, you know, he was a little elephant and he was a baby elephant and there was a stake in the ground and he never, he couldn't pull that stake out when he was young. He tried to continue to pull that stake out. He's a full grown elephant and there's a, a one foot stake in the ground with a leash holding him back because he gave up. All he had to do was do that and tug that leash and that thing would have been off the ground. You got to find what's holding you back. The roadblock that you have that's impairing you from seeing anything else, solve for that and watch your limit, limiting beliefs just be crushed. Absolutely amazing, Logan. This is Mr. Logan Freeman, everybody. This has been an amazing podcast episode. I have learned so much from this conversation. I'm going to go listen to this conversation at least a few more times. Guys, you should as well. Logan, if the listeners want to learn a little bit more about you, they want to get in contact with you, maybe say hi, uh, ask about some of the business ventures you have going on. Where can they find some of your information? Yeah, I'm most active on LinkedIn. So uh, Logan Freeman on LinkedIn, but my website is livefreeinvestments.com. You can find me there. There's plenty of contact you know, forms where you can reach out to me. That comes directly to myself. Love it. Love it. Love it. And the links to all of that, ladies and gents, will be in the show notes. Logan, thank you so much for coming on the show. You've been a true inspiration to the listeners and we'll talk to you very, very soon. It was my pleasure being on today.